So I'm speaking uh, with one of the most prominent on the rise composing, uh, or one of the composing duo, uh, part of the duo in the industry here, uh, with Andy uh, Grush, known to, known with his uh, uh, partner, uh, Taylor uh, Newton-Stewart, as the Newton Brothers. Uh, the duo have brought their unique sound and approach to the films they compose uh, for including Oculus, The Life of Crime, uh, and Detachment, among many others. They are uh, reteaming with Oculus director Mike Flanagan for Universal's sequel, uh, Ouija, uh, Origin of Evil, which is getting some amazing reviews. Uh, uh, Andy, thank you so much for, for, your, for coming and speaking tonight. I know uh, Taylor was supposed to be here, but you guys had a little bit of emergency, but we will, we will move on. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank, thank, thanks for having us, Kaya. We, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. So to get started, uh, I would like to maybe go back to I guess your 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 guys' origins and how this whole uh, this formation came together. Because you get, you guys are the Newton brothers, but are you not? Are you biological brothers or no? <laughs> we we are not biological brothers. No, we we actually uh, <laughs> there's not even a, a there's actually not even a relation to our our writing name isn't even related to uh, Taylor's middle name really. It just sort of. It just sort of worked out that we were looking for a, a writing name to write under, um, and we we wanted something that wasn't too wasn't too raw and edgy, and something that wasn't too uh, dull and boring. So uh, we went. We're, we're both big fans of uh, Sir Isaac Newton randomly, so that came up in a conversation of, in, in a list of about ten names we circled. So we, we kind of ended up on the Newton brothers. So I know that's a really boring story, but that's that's the truth, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's an awesome. I love it. So. Uh, maybe talking about you specifically, and maybe you can fill in for Taylor a little bit. But what were you guys' kind of musical paths uh, individually, and when did you guys? You know, were you both pursuing film composition? Did it kind of appear, kind of out of the you know, the, the universe into your world? And when did you guys cross paths and decide to kind of form this partnership? We we both had sort of a, a similar uh, upbringing in that we we were both around music all the time. I. I I got into music at a young age. My uncle played, uh, was a session keyboard player in Los Angeles, and he got me into piano when I was like four, and I started piano lessons and got into recitals and classical music. Uh, Taylor's mom grew up, uh, or he grew up with his mom, and his mom was involved in lots of opera. She's an amazing opera singer and was very involved in opera, so he grew up around a lot of that. Um, the two of us came together in the early 2000s, maybe around 2004, he and I met through mutual friends, and um, we just we started working together actually on a, on an album that uh, Taylor was writing, and uh, we just we got along well. We had similar uh, sort of writing techniques, and uh, we enjoyed the same music. So we started working together, spent a lot of time in the studio together, and then uh, I had worked on a film with a few other composers uh, called Mothman Prophecies prior to that. Right. And uh, we were looking to work on some more music and get into more film. Taylor and I just decided to start writing together. So we kind of, we kind of fell into it and decided let's try this. And, and we did. And, uh, and it all has worked out really well. <laughs> it's, uh, it was a fun little story. It's worked out really well. We've been together now for more than 10 years, I think. Uh, oh. And uh, it's, it's, it's a it's it's great to have a 
writing partner, someone to throw things off of and, and have them say, Hey man, that, that sucks. Or, or that's great. Like you shouldn't be afraid to play that for the director, you know? Right. <laughs> and I, I'm always fascinated with kind of these partnerships and, you know, not even outside of music. Like, you know, I love reading about Penn and Teller or, you know, Adam and Jamie from Mythbusters. And, and a lot of them, they talk about their relationship as, you know, they either see it as, you know, very just mutually as a professional one. Uh, are you guys more kind of like, friends that are also composers or just a creative partners or how do you kind of label the partnership are you guys do you hang out on the weekends and go fishing and stuff like that or is it mainly like we meet <laughs> at the studio and kind of live our lives otherwise otherwise elsewhere <laughs> funny that, that's a great question we're, we're uh, i mean we're friends uh, and we're also composers it's funny because we uh, taylor and i sort of have an inside joke about getting massages and getting <laughs> manicures and pedicures uh <laughs> Because we never, I'm sure you know from other composers, we have we have no downtime really. It's right. almost a matter of, hey, how how much did you sleep last night? You know, like oh, I slept two hours. Oh, I got three hours. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> so we don't, we actually don't hang out a lot, but not because we don't want to. It's only because we just don't have time. We right. we talk about surfing together a lot, but it usually ends up that one of us has to be working almost all the time, and it, it kind of comes up with directors and producers, they kind of laugh and will say, well, it's great that we have you guys on board because you guys are like 24 hours. Cause I'm, I've become more of a morning person and Taylor's more of a night person. So at any hour of the day, you can usually catch one of us to <laughs> change the oboe solo if you need to, <laughs> well, that's, I mean, which that's, is good. It's a, a blessing and a curse. Obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting to hear that. Cause I, I'm just, I know some partner co-composing partnerships. I mean, I'm, uh, how do you guys work? Are you guys, I guess, I guess more metaphorically, like, you could, are you like puzzle pieces, kind of filling in the gaps? You know, one person has this strength and this person has this strength, or you do this and they do that, or is it more kind of like a synthesis of where you're both kind of just working on the same things together? We we both do we both do essentially the same things. Uh, Taylor has some more strength on the electronic side mm. and I spent a little, a little more time on the classical side growing up, but it, that doesn't really, it all, we, we always joke at the end of the day because I, I might be stuck in a certain, I don't know, a certain counterpoint point rule that <laughs> I'm stuck on and not, not breaking. And he'll come in and say like, well, it sounds like crap. Like, why don't <laughs> let's just do this. And it works. And, and vice versa, like he might be into, you know, a certain, you know, synth patch and I'll say, well, let's just use this preset. I found it works great. You know, and it'll be like, <laughs> Oh, presets. No, you know, but, um, so it's funny that the two, those two things kind of balance themselves out. And then we, I mean, we usually, it's real nice because every time we start a project, we try to tell each other as little as possible about what we're going to tackle for the first round of themes. Mm. And it works out really nicely because then we're able to vet those themes with each other before we even sit down and do a playback session with the director or the producers. And it gives us sort of a, uh, a buffer to, to try a lot of things, which we love doing. We love pushing it. We love having a playback session where, <laughs> where there's at least one thing that they like, but there's at least a few things that they're like, that's insane. Why would you ever play that for us? Because <laughs> uh, we think it's important to kind of try that. Cause it's, I mean, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to mimic like, hey, we want Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Okay, well, here it is with different instruments. Um, it, it's fun to play with that and turn it on its head a little bit and then see what you can come up with. And that that's always the most stressful but also the most rewarding at the end of the day uh, part of the process. Right, absolutely. 
Um, and I, I also want, I want to talk about uh, Mike Flanagan, who was uh, one of your most you know, prized uh, collaborators here as a director. You guys clicked with him on Oculus and in such a short period of time. I mean, I think uh, Ouija is your fourth feature with him, and you're, I think you're currently working on another one with him. Is that the, the project that you guys are working on now? We are. That's exactly right. Yeah, we're, we're working on he's off shooting Gerald's game, and um, we read the script uh, a couple weeks ago and have been sort of crafting themes around that script. And uh, he's, he's just been a great he's just been a, a great person to uh, to work with. And he has he's an amazing uh, musician on his own. Uh, even to the point where he's able to, you know, we could play a theme and he'll walk over to the piano in our studio and just sit down and go, okay, I hear that you're doing this. What if we go to this chord here for this change when she grabs her arm? It's like, wow. Wow, that's amazing. Those are, that's a, we've been really lucky to have the opportunity to work with him on, on things like that because it's, it's, it's rare that that happens. And it's not necessary in any way We're we're, we're not, uh, you know, composers are able to, sort of speak the language and try to decipher what's what a director is getting at but it is really nice when he'll say like oh you went to you know you went to a flat here what if we go to f minor it's like wow that's awesome okay great let's do that <laughs> well, that's, that's um, awesome so that's been really great and he, yeah because he, the, 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 what, yeah, I, what, I, what yeah. I normally hear from composers and this is completely contrary is usually when a co- director is a musician composers usually hate it because they are more critical and they can't get away with things as much but it seems like you guys almost have like a third part of the like a third member of the band almost it is it's really nice and the other nice part about it is that mike really encourages us to fall on our face in a good way which mm-hmm. which goes back to that the last point i was talking about in in trying things that take it too far right. um he's really open to that you know we'll 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 play things that we're not necessarily really about, we might be excited about it personally, like we were making an album, but in the case of a film, it's, it's, you know, you have to kind of, uh, divorce yourself from the idea of that you're writing an album because you're not, you're just writing for the film. And Mike's always very encouraging to, you know, Hey, play me, play me a couple ideas and, you know, we'll play him something that's completely in the wrong direction, but mm-hmm. something that he'll say, you know what, I, I really hate that, but you know what that brings up is what if what if we explore something that you did there? And that's that's always a nice talking point and a good place to be as opposed to just, you know, great, you you know, you you recreated the the box fugue that that I wanted, you know. So it's it's nice to have that dialogue with him and also know that he's okay to let us hang ourselves a little bit at at, at the front. Well, that sounds like a oh it sounds like a great creative process i mean it just sounds very open and and yeah where you're where you're welcome to make mistakes because like i said pushes you in the in the right direction where you know where not to go <laughs> uh it, it it becomes a little stressful in that he 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 know you know i think all composers have their their bag of tricks and mike already right. knows our bag of, he 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 knew all of our bag of tricks two films ago so <laughs> that adds uh an element of stress that is uh kind of tough to deal with but we love it because it forces us to really think outside the box and similar to like on on Ouija we were leaning into sort of a a period score and and Taylor had this great idea to um, try to use the water phone to just add some strange textures and sounds and that was a you know a cool sort of thing that I don't know that we would have tried had we not been trying to 
outthink our bag of tricks, if that makes sense. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, pushing ourselves in yeah, different territories, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, Ouija, yeah. Ouija Origin of Evil, Evil is uh, the, the new film you're doing with Mike, and it's being marketed as a you know prequel to the 2014 film, but you guys are clearly building your own kind of self-contained story here. That's its own kind of tale, right? Yeah, Mike and Jeff Howard did a really good, did a really great job with with the story and kind of making it into its own uh, its own thing and incorporating some really creepy real life stories in, into the mix, uh, which which play out real nicely. So they, they made it easy for us to sort of create an atmosphere of of fear because they did it with their storytelling. So it's been great. And so when you were first kind of approaching this with Mike and sitting down and talking and with Taylor, uh, what were the conversations? I mean, you guys, you were aiming for a period score, but were, were there kind of uh, ideas off the bat, like we want it to be this, we want it to, how's it, how's it going to be different than what we've done in the past, or kind of what were those initial talks about? The initial talks, uh, we kind of looked at um, diving into, because we've done several films with, with Mike, we know that he has a, uh, we know that we, myself, Taylor, him, uh, and some of the producers, we have similar films that we love from the past, some horror films. Poltergeist was one, The Omen was one. Right. We started talking about those films and how, how those films incorporated music uh, into the story. And it, it was a bit of a challenge because at first, you know, Mike definitely wanted to keep it in the period um and we were going that way and some of the notes from the producers were hey let's let's be in the period but let's not be so dated that we scare you know people away with it so that was that was a tough line to find i think early on we really leaned into a lot of uh 60s style writing it was very busy in places but not too busy uh we just found that there was a nice we found that horns were not sitting well with, with anyone. The horns seemed to seem to date, date the score. So we had to unfortunately murder the horns violently um, early on in the process. But it, you know, we ended up in a good place using a lot of uh, piano, uh, strings, uh, woodwinds, mostly mostly flute, but um, and then a lot of interesting sounds that we just kind of created with. Uh, noises from the cello we have in the studio and the water phone was a, was a huge part of that. And we, we, we took a lot of time playing different pianos to find a piano that wasn't so out of tune that the, the string players would kill us when we went to the stage. <laughs> um, but so that it, so, but so that it wasn't just a piano that sounded like it was okay. We wanted to hear the detail of, you know, the piano and the character of it. So I, I think we ended up in a, in a pretty good place looking into all of that. And then having, uh, through the process, we just found that we just kept recording everything analog that we could to try to maintain a, uh, a sound that was sort of true to the era. And, and at the end we were almost a little nervous because there was a lot of noise on a lot of the recordings we did, but it turned out, it turned out really nicely. We were very surprised. We were you know, it, it was a bit scary leading up because we were kind of crunched towards the end and still making changes uh, with orchestrations on the stage the day of our first recording. So that made it a little stressful, but I think that's what every composer does that. So <laughs> it's just sort of, 
you know, getting with the program and making it happen. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and, and it, it was kind of a focus to kind of use instruments of the era. And um, you also recorded in, in Nashville in a in a studio that was built kind of in a restored 100-year-old church. Is that was that right? We did. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. And that was that was a lot of fun too. And those those players really did an amazing job. The players and the engineers in Nashville were all all so on point and played a big role in us getting the sound that we wanted because the, the dynamics were were equally as important as you know the notes and the spotting of the music um there are a lot of scenes where you know little lulu ha- you know she's she's saying something and she's quiet because she's a, a little girl and you want to stay out of the way but then that devolves into something uh pretty horrific at times and we wanted players who could go from playing something beautiful you know we have like a waltz that occurs in the movie several times and we wanted to go from hey we're playing a delicate waltz on the strings to there's a lot of chaos everyone's dying this is really scary and that's uh it's you know it's it's tough to do you you can write it down on on paper and tell people what to do but you really need the experience of um, great players to kind of pull that off and they did a great job absolutely and uh so i mean ouija is in a kind of this genre that's and and we're talking about a genre of, of horror films that's you know filled with so many classics i mean you, you mentioned poltergeist and going all the way back to like the exorcist and even recently with the conjuring and stuff you know you know people getting possessed by demons or or spirits uh and so with your film here did you guys make a conscious approach to make yours different from that or did you kind of embrace the genre archetypes and just kind of try to add your your spin to it yeah, we kind of embraced the the genre and 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 just kind of ran with it. And I think a big part of it that was really helpful was you know was was Mike and us being very deliberate about where there was score and where there was not score. Right. And there were times where we'd be a little bit unsure, so we'd you know hey let's let's overplay here, let's let's play an extra minute into this scene and see what Mike thinks. And then we'd go in and play it, and Mike would go, you know I like that it works, but let's let's take it out. And we'd take it out and you know, silence, uh, you know, every, everybody knows that, you know, silence can be almost more effective than, you know, having sounds and music. And, and that was sort of a delicate line that we, we danced toward the end, just sort of figuring out where there should and should not be music. And, uh, it worked out really well. There's, there's moments where I just watched the film again a few nights ago and with an audience. And there's a, a scene where we had tons of noise and sounds happening at a certain point and we decided to take it out mike had this great idea to take it out in this section and it was just wonderful to be in a huge theater and see this the scene unfolding and have you know no music banging you over the head telling you to be scared it, it almost worked even better than had you had you know, loads of crazy noise, if that makes any sense. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that must be an amazing feeling to see it, like, see your kind of creation working on the audience as it's supposed to. That must have been awesome. <laughs> it was great, yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a great feeling to experience that. Um, so looking at, I mean, you've done, this is not your first horror film or thriller, but in your opinion, now you've done a few, including with Mike, uh, based on the techniques you've done and the work in the horror genre, what is, in your like words, what is the role of music in a horror film? Like, what is the down, like, just a basic role for it? Is it to scare people? Is it to add tension? What is kind of your take on it? 
I think adding, it does add tension. I I think being a big, I was always like a big, even when I was really young. I mean, I had a paper route when I was really young and I used to come home and watch horror movies and sci-fi movies when I was like in seventh and eighth grade. And it was interesting at that time playing classical music at that age and watching these films and seeing that music can create so much tension, but the other thing that it can do is it, it creates such a nice, uh, a, it gives you a nice opportunity to tell a story emotionally about people within the context of a horror film who are about to either be brutally killed or, uh, hopefully, but <laughs> I think that that's the, gr- and, and that's really the great thing about Ouija is that Mike really, Mike and Jeff did a great job of, leaning into telling a story about this family so that you really get invested into the characters so that when things start to happen to them, you're not only scared by the idea of it, but you, you feel uh, bad's the wrong word, but you have sort of a connection to them where you don't want things to go wrong. Right. You want, that to make sur- sense? you want them to survive. You want them to get out of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's sort of what we've, we've really tried to find in, in the horror and thriller films that we've done, we try to find that emotional connection that, that draws, you know, that draws people into why, why do you care that this person is going to have a terrible go for the next 90 minutes? Um, Cause if you don't, if, if you don't, if you don't care that somebody's going to die, then it just becomes, you know, how many, how many cans of blood can you can you pour on the screen? Right. But having like the nice story of a character um, and being drawn into them makes you makes you feel more about them when they, you know, become possessed or crazy or kill someone or get killed or right. what, yeah. whatever happens. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and uh, and to wrap up, you know, and in the spirit of Halloween. I would like to ask if you could score, and we mentioned some classic horror films, but if you could score any classic horror movie or horror villain or monster, which one would you pick? Oh, that's an amazing question. <laughs> oh, that's so hard to, you know. And you got to pretend like the originals don't exist. The original themes, all those classic ones, just try to take them out of your head and imagine just the character in its essence or the movie in its essence. What would, like, really, like a playground you'd love to play in? Uh, I mean, the place that I would I would never want to redo anything that was done. But if, if I had, like, you know, gun at the head... Um, I would love to, the exorcist for me is, uh, that movie is terrifying. And I, I love, I love the playground that they've set up, uh, with, with that movie and how it just, it's just <laughs> so creepy. I, I don't even, I don't know what I would do, but if you're asking for, you know, a canvas, a film canvas, if I had my choice, exactly, yeah. I would choose that for sure because it's just so it's so disturbing on so many levels. It's uh, yeah, one of my favorite horror films, and I'm actually from the East Coast and uh, in in Maryland, and I, I would go, always go to the to, oh. the to the staircase in Georgetown. It's by gas station now, but it's it's there still, and it's it's oh. it's cool to go and visit that that site. <laughs> I, I I just got chills just now when you when you, when you brought that up because it's, it's it's still to this day that movie is terrifying to me, and it's uh, but it was so well done. That, it, uh, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, that's a great. It's also I, I just also if you have a chance, go to Halloween Horror Nights. They have a pretty cool maze. It's the Exorcist maze, and it was my favorite favorite there. So. 
That's uh, what I've heard. I heard it's pretty awesome. It's I, I need to go check that out. Yeah, definitely worth it. I, it was out of all the mazes, it was it was my favorite. Like it, it if somehow managed to re- build like recreate the story. You, you kept going in a loop through the room, and things were changing. And I was like, oh my god, it's like a structure. And I was, it wasn't just like a, a scare <laughs> a scare maze. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, but uh, Andy, I just want to thank you again uh, for your time tonight and, and for chatting, and it was so much fun and you had so much insight. And I just want to congrats on on the film; it's getting great reviews. I mean, way better than the last one. I mean, you guys really did a good job. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's great to hear, Kai. I, re- I really appreciate it. <laughs>